Podcast New York. What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave? I don't know. But now the battle begins. Dueling Decades. Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and this week we bring you a best-of birthday battle, as I will be representing the day of my birth, February 5th, 1978. Alongside these other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, and rockin' the 80s, say hello to Man Crush. Yeah, I got my sixth birthday. My sixth birthday, which falls on Friday the 13th. Friday, April 13th, 1984. Also joining us on the panel and rapping with the 90s, please welcome back to the show, the incomparable Mike Ranger. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Mike Ranger from the Video Rangers podcast, and I'm celebrating my 13th birthday on uh, July 4th, 1995. And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. Returning to the show is one of our favorite celebrity guest judges. And maybe because it's like his song says, he's better than the rest. All (laughs) rise and welcome back, Judge Robert Tepper. Hear ye, hear ye. How you doing, gentlemen? What's going on? I was going to say it's been a long time, but we've just been talking for an hour. (laughs) No, we've been talking for an hour and having a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges' coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. The judges' ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And in the event of a tie, after all five rounds, we will go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, <laughs> to review the show, listen, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling Decades. Woo! Let's throw it right down to celebrity guest judge Robert Tepper for the coin toss. Coin toss. Okay. Here we are. Call it in the air. Mike, you call it. Heads. Oh, I just threw my keys down the sewer. (laughs) (laughs) It's heads. All right. All right, Mike Ranger, you won the coin toss and you get to select our first category. This is the worst part because I'm never prepared. I never expect to win. Come on, Mike. All right, well, let's go with TV because this is just fucking spectacular. Uh, so, yeah, uh, on July 4th, 1995, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on WPIX, the annual 4th of July fireworks show aired for everyone who refused to just look out the fucking window. <laughs> the, the amazing part of this event, well, well, it was hosted by Quantum Leap's own Scott Bakula. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. That's a big nice. name for WPIX. Was PIX local? It was local, right? It's Channel, yeah, it's Channel 11, 11 in the tri-state area. 
right in the tri-state area. Is anyone going to know that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Scott Bakula hosted the fireworks show. Wow. That's, that's a topic Wait, that's got legs. Have? 1995. Man, so that's right out of Quantum Leap. So uh... Yeah, out of Quantum Leap before Major League Three. Perfect storm. <laughs> was so, was he was he from New Jersey or something in New York? I'm not he quite sure. Like I should have done that kind of research because that would have gave the topic a little bit more legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's leap over to Man Crush. What did you bring for the television round? Oh man, what do I bring you? So we're gonna go April 13th to April 15th of 1984. Not not just one day. We get three days. And I feel like this makes me sound older than I am because growing up, I had this old Westinghouse 13-inch black and white TV in my room until about mm-hmm. 1989 when my, my dad got a used 15-inch color TV. It was, I just want to know, like, was I the only one here that had a black? I, Robert, you, you can't answer this. But Come everybody on. else, <laughs> did anybody else have a black and white TV? Yeah, I had a black and white TV. It was, it was uh, one that was up in my grandmother's attic. And she just gave it to me, and it was the first TV I had in my room. My first right, television well, in my yeah. room was a 13-inch black and white as well, and I distinctively remember watching Happy Days on it. I'm telling you, I, I was the antenna. My father would say, <laughs> move to the right. Move to the left. I told somebody this the other day. They looked at me like I had five heads. Like I, I just thought it was common. I thought you know, back in the 80s, everybody that was growing up started with one. Can I tell you something? These kids, they look, look at what they're looking at. They're constantly watching a screen of some sorts. The fact that we had five channels and on a black and white thing is like, you might as well be talking like Scandinavian to them. <laughs> they have no concept. They're like, wait, did you grow up in Bangladesh? Mean. Like, where, where are you? Really? You where up? was it? Don't tell me about your pitiful life. I, I've got 15 screens right here I'm trying to watch. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, so I had this little 13 inch black and white in my room. Right. And it was one of those TVs that had the VHF and UHF knobs on it. Sure. So initially, like I basically only had 13 channels, like you were saying before, um, to choose from. So right around this time, my parents got me one of those old Gerald cable boxes that had this is the old one. I Mike, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. It had like 12 switches on the top where you can you basically can do three channels on each switch. Yeah. And I was six years old using this fucking thing. If wow. any kid looked at it now, it would be like, the fuck what is this? What year is that? What year this did ni- they 1984. Have wow. And I had that thing up until like the late 90s until I got like a digital box. This is, I finally got cable in my room now at this point. So we, but we only had basic cable at the time. So when I ran across this ad, I was all over it because six year old me would have been losing his shit at this. And here's the ad it says, here comes free. Televent. Here's your chance to sample HBO and Cinemax without obligation Woo! to buy a thing. It's free HBO and Cinemax all weekend long. And nowadays, like, I couldn't give a shit about free cable now, but like, free cable in 1984 when I was six, that's like finding a $20 bill on the ground or something. That's come on, man. You just sat down. It's Friday night, and Cinemax is running a free weekend, and some really good porn is on. And exactly. Going, what the fuck just happened to my TV? This is amazing. So here are some of the free options that I had, and these are all perfectly legit for six-year-old man crush. By the way, so I had the Outsiders. I mean, you got Diane Lane. Right. Can't go oh, wrong great. there. Fraggle Rock. 
Max Dugan returns. Porkies. I mean, what six-year-old doesn't oh, want to watch man. Porkies? Uh, the Secret of Nim, My Bodyguard, Cheech and Chong, the movie, The oh, Prowler, the great movie about a uh, world, a, guy, a killer dressed in World War II fatigues. You can't go wrong there. George Burns in concert. I mean, the list goes on and on. I had an entire weekend of the old boob tube because I got free HBO and Cinemax. And that's, 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 that's pretty cool. You can't be free cable, Mark. Just <laughs> throw it in. <laughs> All right, guys. So for my television selection, we're going to go over to February 5th, 1978. We're going to see what was on the old boob tube while my mom was in the hospital giving birth to me. And oh, boy. We actually had a birthday celebration on at the time. We had ABC's Silver Anniversary Celebration. We'll go to an article in the New York Times. It's been 25 years since ABC became a television network, and the occasion calls for a birthday celebration that takes the form of a gigantic party. Attended by 200 celebrities who have been part of the network, through pre-taped segments and a bonanza of archival clips, the four-hour program highlights various medical series hosted by Robert Young and Vince Edwards, comedy hosted by Mario Thomas and Henry Winkler, adventure hosted by the Charlie's Angels, westerns hosted by the great John Wayne, sports hosted by Howard Cosell, news hosted by Barbara Walters, and game shows hosted by Monty Hall. Now, the climax of the anniversary show is a tepid sing-along in which 154 black tie celebrities are all coerced onto a plexiglass stage. One of them is, in fact, Vince Edwards, best known for playing Dr. Ben Casey on the TV show Ben Casey. And while on the stage, you can watch him disappear because the plexiglass floor beneath him gives way, (laughs) the actor drops out of sight, and the sad part is... Edwards required stitches in his leg, and it was fully bandaged up the next day, and he was fine. But the funny part is that Dr. Ben Casey had to go see a doctor. Had to, had to go to the hospital. <laughs> so that's what was on TV the night of wow. my birth, February 5th, 1978. Wow. I should burn all both of you two guys. Have a great one. I should vote for WPIX because nobody ever even <laughs> heard of that place ever. Um, wow. Free HBO. Or and Showtime or uh, Cinemax, Cinemax, right? Showtime probably didn't even exist yet. Or every great actor from my youth on ABC. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, God, let me think. Let me think. Love Ben Casey. Love Father Knows Best. He was there too, right? Yeah. Right? That he was. He was at the thing. What did they serve that night? Do you know? It, the article didn't say what they served. So fish, fish, fish. fish. <laughs> it was it was fish. It was Al who from Happy Days. You know, he wanted yes, everyone to try yes. the fish. I got to go with the ABC thing. It just encompasses my whole my whole youth. It does. Oh wow! Over free cable. I know, but free cable, look what it did. We destroyed the world. Look where we are. All we do is watch free cable now. We're all going to die watching fucking reruns of Outlander, you know? (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, We'll go over to the Hut Products round next. Nice. Why are you picking that? I saw you kind of led us that way. Hmm. You have an ulterior motive. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, guys. So for the hot products round, we picked things that we would want for our birthdays. And coincidentally, the thing I would want most was on the night of my birth. So I'm not even sure where to start with this pick because it is something that's so near and dear to me personally. So you'd want that right now. You would want that right now. Right now. If I could have this now, absolutely. So I was born February 5th, 1978. And call it fate, call it kismet. And to quote the song Mississippi Half Step, on the day that I was born, daddy sat down and cried. I had the mark just as plain as day. It could not be denied. Because at the time of my birth, a band whose music years later would have such a huge impact on my life had just one of those special magical nights on what is remembered by those in attendance as one of the coldest nights of that winter in Cedar Rapid, Iowa on February 5th, 1978, one of the great shows was played by the Grateful Dead. Whoa. On one of the last shows of the early 1978 tour, The Dead played for about 7,000 fans that night in a show that was initially panned by local journalists because of its four-hour runtime, including a one-hour set break. Not to interrupt you, but it was the show was was 7,000 hours. That's what I thought he was going to say. So a lot of people actually skipped out early, unfortunately missing out on the legendary second set that would later be immortalized on the third disc of Dick's Picks Volume 18. The highlights of the show include Scarlet Fire, that Scarlet Begonia segued into Fire on the Mountain. This version of it from this particular night is one of the best renditions of those songs ever put to tape. So that's what I'm picking for my hot product. If I could nice. have seen any concert, it would have been The Dead in Iowa, February 5th, 1978, on the night I was born. It just so happens that they're my favorite band and they had a special night that night. So it's something I had to pick. Wow. Okay. Where does Brett Favre fall in on those dick picks? <laughs> <laughs> I think Brett was born that night, but I'm not sure. (laughs) He might have been conceived that night. I don't know. All right, let's toss it over to Mike Ranger for the Hot Products round. Oh, well, thank you, Mark, and I can't wait to tell you about my pick because it's absolutely fantastic because I found mine uh, inside a Walmart catalog stuffed inside an Ottawa, Canada newspaper. Uh, and what we have here is a whole bunch of Sega products. So we have a Sega Game Gear, boatload of games, but most importantly, a Genesis Model 2 with a 32X stuffed deep inside the cartridge slot, sucking whatever life the Genesis had left. Also also packed in was uh, Doom 32X. Well, not really packed in. You, you had to, it was a mail-in offer. All this for $197.67. Sega 32X, wow. released in 1994, discontinued by 1996, and goes down in history as the system that helped lead to the end of Sega's console participation. Happy wow. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> but I really wanted this right around that time. But oh, not man. you oh, yeah. and everybody. A little bit. Everybody. Really, I wanted it in 94 when it came out, but I couldn't find an ad for the Sega Saturn that they released you know, like six months later, right. that was a good idea. Yeah. Let's have two 32-bit systems on the market at the same time. That's a good one, though. That's a good one. All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the Hot Products round? All right, again, April 13th, 1984. I mean, I just want to give a little background. So things are a little bit different than a normal episode when it comes to these birthday battles. 
So since we only have one day, we don't pick something that came out on that particular day. Instead, we pick something that we'd like that we would have wanted for our birthday, like Mike or well, Mike wanted that, but Mark wanted to go to a concert on the day he was born, which would probably be kind of uncomfortable, but I get it. <laughs> the- <laughs> I can see his mom with her leg. I can see her mom with her legs spread now. <laughs> Scarlet Goaty's on. I don't want to picture that, man. With Garcia going, push, push. <laughs> the funny part of that about that, though, is I am sure that that happened. As many shows that they did, I am sure. Oh, my God. It has happened many a times. Uh, I'm many sure times. people went there, like, you know, in the middle of, like, their contractions. Like, yeah, th- this is where I'm having my kid at a dead show. I'm going to have a dead baby. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's very funny. I'm going to have a dead baby. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. That's going to piss off the left. Oh, one man. one way or the other. Uh, but the only caveat this whole thing is it has to be something that we found in an ad from our birthday. All right. So with that being said, in an ad that I found in everyone's favorite 80s box retailer, Montgomery Ward, uh, I found something I really wanted in 1984. It was a Coleco product. It was pretty popular at the time. At least I thought it was. No matter like what store or what toy store I went to, matter of fact, there was always crates of these things in these massive boxes. And around that time, I only had an Atari 2600, but I really wanted a computer. At six, even at six years old, I wanted a computer. Now, the problem was most home computers in 1984 were super pricey. So if you wanted a home personal computer, you'd best sell one of your kidneys because that was the only way you're going to afford one. <laughs> I mean, if, seriously, a few of them yeah. that were on the market at the time, the IBM compatible TRS-80 from Tandy, it was about three grand. Then you had the Apple IIe. It was about 1400 bucks. Mm-hmm. And even if you wanted to get a Commodore 64, there was a full package with a printer and everything. You're looking at about $1,100 or so. So for like my family or basically all the people that I knew growing up, this is like well out of our price range. Absolutely. That is until Coleco came along with the Atom, which was, uh, it was a complete computer system, keyboard, dot matrix printer, game paddle, two tape drives. And of course the computer system, which featured, which featured 80 K of onboard RAM. I mean, how could you go wrong there? And all of that for the mere price of five ninety nine from Montgomery Ward. Yeah, that's fifteen hundred bucks in twenty twenty one. So you can have an entire computer system for your your family. I mean, if you look back in nineteen eighty four, and I'm not even shitting you, I'm not throwing these numbers out. Most printers at the time, like if you bought like an Oki Data printer or some shit like that, Dot Matrix, you're spending six hundred dollars on that printer alone. So this deal is like an absolute steal. You got the whole thing. And the other cool thing with the Atom was, and this was a problem with most computer systems that are coming out, the software libraries at the time weren't very big. But the Atom came out with a pretty decent software li- library from day one. What was it? What was some of the programs? I, pretty much everything. I mean, like, you had your word processing and, and all that. But here's here's the problem with the whole thing. See, I live my life on two mottos. We talk, we've talked about it on the program before, the program. Now, now I really sound like I'm 80 years old. but uh, I'm bringing it out in everybody. That's a weird, wild stuff. I live my life by the, the seven Ps. Uh, prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. And, of course, the other one is you get what you pay for. And, unfortunately, this computer, it, it was plagued with problems in production. And that kept Coleco from releasing on time. So they... 
they didn't get a really good Christmas release, so that crippled the Atom from the get-go. So that's why by April, this thing's only $5.99 for the whole package. And even though they sold 350,000 units, but they pretty ended good. up discontinuing. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, that would put a dent in the home computer market for 1984, but they ended up discontinuing this thing in 1985. And, you know, even though it didn't take off like it was supposed to, it did enough to damage the family computer market with those 350,000 units where it forced the competition to begin lowering prices and bundling systems together, which they hadn't done before that. So we mm-hmm. did get something from the Atom. Um, and this was, this was interesting that I passed up. There's a group of Atom fanatics where they meet up. They've met up every year since 1989. They have this thing called the Atom Con, and they all get together. I don't know if they had one during COVID, but the, at least up to 2019. If I could be a fly on a wall anywhere, I would definitely like to be at Atom Con. Just see who shows up. Really? I would totally like to I'm go there. Anywhere you could be a fly on a wall, it's at the Atom Con. The Adam, dude, can you imagine who's at the Listen, Adam Con? The things I that mean, are talked about right there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where real so business funny. is done, Mark. Really? <laughs> T- tons of Coleco uh, connoisseurs yeah. at this thing. But that, yeah, Adam Computer, baby. That's awesome, man. I had a Coleco vision. So, so is Coleco still around? The company? Um, they, I think they are as a as a license, but they, I don't think they manufacture anything. They're actually a, a they actually were a leather company, wow. is what they were, and they got in with wow. the, the ColecoVision and then came out with the Atom. And this all happens during the the video game crash in eighty three and eighty four, so it was like the worst time to release a fucking computer slash video game. And they picked up the Cabbage Patch Kids along the way. Yeah, they. Oh, you're kidding me. That's pretty. Yeah. amazing. and I had Which one of those. Like, 87 companies bought Cabbage Patch Kids along the line. Coleco just happened to be one of them. Man, you guys know a lot of stuff. Sad. (laughs) It's sad. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go down to Robert Tepper for the ruling on the hot products round. Wow. You're all, you're all like, it's, this is a hard round. Okay. So let me, let me start with, um, let me start with uh, the Grateful Dead. Uh, most of the people who are at that show are probably dead right now okay? <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because the jammiest band ever eat your ticket stubs eat your ticket stubs <laughs> nobody remembers the show that's why they tape it because those people are <laughs> they just you know i'm sure it was a great show but it was like you know can we get a three and a half minute song from that band? Is it is it possible? No, it's not possible. Nope. <laughs> you got to buy the album. You got to buy the album. And and yeah. I I I just found I've always found found that band absolutely fascinating. And what was really crazy? Okay, this was the experience I had. So, you know, I have five boys. So all of them, except for my youngest one, man, who who's much more of a businessman than any Tepper has ever been. But the older ones are all mu- into music. And my older son, Max, loved a band called Fish, right? Oh, yeah. And remember Fish. And oh, yes. so he comes out here and he goes, man, there's a Fish show about an hour. He's about 15. There's a Fish show about an hour from, from L.A., Dad. Can we go? I go, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, um, I'm a a weekend warrior, Dad. You know, I'm a holiday dad. I'm a oh. Disneyland, Dad. And I said, of course we can go. So I walk into this 
show with fish right and he's gone i have no idea where he went and they start doing that dance okay the dance you know which dance <laughs> yeah. i'm talking about. i do know i know exactly okay? what you're talking about <laughs> okay. i tripped about 500 times okay i tripped at least 500 times i've been sober for a while okay because these trips were like I saw I saw Jesus from the project many times. We were on a first name basis, okay. And all of a sudden, I'm watching these people, and I'm starting to feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna start tripping. I'm gonna start tripping again, and I'm, it's it's gonna be really bad. So I've I've been forced, due to a survival technique inside of me, to shun that band. And any band that sounds like that. <laughs> How long was that show? Like nine hours? Oh, there's no time limit on those shows. There's, there's like, you know, I mean, you got something else to do. We don't give a fuck. We're dropping acid and playing until there's no electricity left. We're playing. I was fortunate enough to go see one fish concert. It, it was three days long. Yeah. Three days long. Yeah. Oh, what oh, there must have been a single. They played the single. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was three days long. Of course we it was it was like a whole weekend festival thing, but only one band played. It was only fish. And, right. You know, they'd right. wake you up at six o'clock in the morning with a with a first set. And it was fantastic. They were excellent. It wasn't the band, it wasn't the music, it's it was the people. They started moving in this white man way. That just it started to freak out my nervous system. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. Okay? I, I am very familiar with that dance. I'm usually the fat guy doing that dance at those shows. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, really, I I get it. That band is iconic and always will be. But okay. um, second, you know, I remember when the computers first came out, and I remember I bought like an Apple for like twenty two hundred bucks. And all it did was like very slow word processing, right? Very slow and Pong. So remember Pong? Yeah. <laughs> the thing did not. I. That's why I wanted to ask you what was it packaged with, and why would you ever want to go see these people who are playing these games that probably don't even work? You know. <laughs> You know, they were probably typing letters and the Z was probably didn't even work. You know, it was like, oh, my God, the Adam. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Well, here's here's what it came with. I'm glad it brought the price down. Here's the the original package, which doesn't sound very exciting. You had Adam Banner, where you can uh, use your your dot matrix printer to make banners. Then you had a business pack. You could make banners. Yeah, which is pretty cool. You could that bring him to the cool. uh, to the fish show with it. You had Adam Calc, which I guess is a calculator. You had uh, okay Adam Link, which is uh, hook up to your modem. You had data calculator. Um, uh, hold on. <laughs> oh, we're not on again. <laughs> yeah, the Adam get the speed of sound. You can download nothing, probably. Go ahead. Yeah, probably not. You had uh, home <laughs> budget planning, uh, power print, a lot of stuff for printing, uh, personal checkbook personal accountant why you'd need three different accounting programs i don't know uh smart flyer and other printing programs smart letters and forms savings and loan uh turbo load which i don't even well, know you see there's the is. problem man you needed money i didn't have any so I <laughs> well you had seven programs that you could balance your checkbook with you could balance your checkbook 
15 ways to Sunday and no games, not one game. Right? There, well, that's just what came with it. You could buy, uh, they actually had a lot of games on cassettes that you can get. Cassettes. Yeah, and they uh, they didn't work out too well. Yeah, they were they Okay, were so now I remember Sega. So I get invited. I get a call from a friend. He goes, man, you got you to gotta come down to House of Blues, like right on Sunset. I go, why? He goes, Sega is having a party. And they hired Chris Isaac to play, right? I thought you were going to say strippers. Wow. I mean, Sega was huge, right? I mean, there was nobody bigger than that company. I was upstairs because I knew the person who who, who, uh, worked there, right? And I was upstairs when they paid Chris Isaac. I saw them cut a check to him for 92 grand. He played an hour and 30 minutes, okay? 92,000, a corporate gig. I mean, Huey Lewis used to be sent to Hawaii for five days. He'd play golf for four days, do a 45-minute show, come home, probably with 70, 80, 90 grand in his pocket. I'm in the wrong business. Sega was the kind of company, man. I mean, I had they were huge, man. They were really, really something at the, at the time. Now, we all know that, like everything, people come in and it, it was decimated right i mean that's probably not even a company anymore i would imagine well they still um they, they still release arcade games they still uh produce games they just no longer make consoles okay so they produce games and, and make games you mean that you play on big time computers or or is it all retro well now you can play sonic on like a nintendo system right which is right. insane i, Nobody I, I gotta ever... give it to sega man because sega sega went and actually put a stamp on stuff that that lived on for a while. Not to be too much of a serious judge, but I'm giving my vote to the Sega man. You gotta That's you it. gotta do it right though. You gotta go. Sega! 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 <laughs> but the Adam was next to my the Adam was next on my list. Hey, at six years old, that's what I wanted. And when this all ends, you and I are going. You and I are going. To one of those things because they're gonna bring <laughs> if they bring nothing else back they gotta bring one of those dude one 2021 those i'm gonna call you we're gonna find out where it is we're gonna go hey, Zeppa, meet me in lancaster pennsylvania <laughs> we're gonna be there at 10 o'clock okay i'm there <laughs> it's at it's at the county fair <laughs> It's at the county fair, right next to the pig weighing contest. It's, We're going. It's at the VFW. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Mike Ranger, you picked up a point heading into our final one-point round, and you have control of the board. What category are we going with next? Well, I think I'm going to go with news, Mark. All right. News. Good news or bad news? Uh, so it can only be good news. Uh, so I found an article uh, in the Daily News on July 5th. 1995, which means it was written on July 4th, 1995, which also means Associated Press writer Dan Blake was not very independent on Independence Day. Uh, the, the title of this article is Bill Gates is the world's biggest billionaire, which isn't really true. He's only five foot ten. Uh, the, the article reads, uh, Microsoft mogul uh, Bill Gates is the world's richest person with a $12.9 billion, fortune, billion dollar fortune, according to... Wow, he's been rich for a while. Yeah, according to Forbes magazine. Yeah. Uh, the 39-year-old billionaire's wealth uh, rose from $8.1 billion in the past year as Microsoft's stock price rose. Uh, Gates was the richest American in 1994 and ranked second worldwide. At the time of this article, Forbes counted 388 individuals or families with at least a $1 billion net worth. Today, Bill Gates is an estimated net worth of uh, $134 billion. 
Very nice. He's done well for himself. Yeah. His mother should be his mother should be very proud. College dropout. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Not bad for a guy who dropped out of Harvard. <laughs> Crazy. All because Xerox didn't want to spend the money to buy the copyright yep. for computers. Right place at the right time. All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the news round? All right. Once again, April 13th, 1984. I feel like uh, I'm on point with that one day. I'm not uh, going too far away from it, but uh, soapbox time here. I feel like this is an annual occurrence. It might have even happened the last time Robert Tepper was on this episode, Uh, but I need to bring up this dude, and it it came up on my birthday. And until they finally let this guy into the Hall of Fame, I'm going to keep bringing him up. I, I watched that Jose Canseco documentary last night. Uh, it's on Prime. It's okay. Does it get into all the darkness? It, it kind of does, and that's why I brought it up, because there are a lot of people that, you know, I mean, let's face facts. For one thing or another, like, baseball is filled with dudes who cheated, and there's a lot of these dudes in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and, I mean, I guess as the saying goes, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, but my man Pete Rose, he never cheated. He just bet on some fucking games, and by <laughs> all <laughs> By all accounts, they weren't even his games. So, like, let's get over it. Let's let the the best pure hitter in the history of the sport let him in the damn Hall of Fame before he dies. I mean, for real, there are worse things that this guy could have done besides betting on games. But anyhow, let's go. His new story is from uh, April 13th, 1984, in Montreal, while old Pete was playing for the Expos that, like, season and a half or whatever he was there. But on that evening, Pete collected... Hit number 4,000. And for those of you who are scoring at wow. home, it was a double. Uh, joining Ty Cobb as uh, baseball's only two players to reach that figure. Now, that occurred 37 years ago. All right, in a couple months, it'll be 37 years ago. There are still only two players in that 4,000 hit club. Mm-hmm. And the closest active guys right now, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. Albert is 40 and has 3,236 hits. Miguel, he's 37, has 2,866. So not these, even close. Not even close. These two guys are going to be by themselves for another decade, at least. Maybe two decades. Who knows? But this is pretty crazy, too. So, old Pete, he got his 4,000 4, hit uh, April 13, 1984, at the age of 43, by the way. He got his first major league hit on April 13, 1963. So, 21 years to the day, he got his 4,000 hit. Uh, he would go on to play for two more seasons. He finished up uh, with a major league record, 4,256 hits and a career batting average of 303. Let this man in, let him in. Pay the man his money. Yeah. Come on. But uh, yeah, it's his 4,000th hit on my sixth birthday. Fantastic. All right. So for my news story, we're going to go over to an article in the Detroit free press says, Remy Julien, the French stuntman who drives his Fiat over a waterfall in television commercials, has nothing on Conway Davis of Detroit's east side. On his way to work Tuesday morning about 9 a.m., Davis drove his Fiat over a Detroit Edson manhole just as it exploded. His car did what (laughs) witnesses and police officer Michael Fromm described as a somersault corkscrew 10 feet into the air before it landed upside down at the intersection of Connor and Caviezel. I bet you could use a drink, Officer Fromm said. I don't know what happened, Davis said. I was driving about 30 miles an hour, and the next thing I knew, the car was up in the air. 
Officers on duty said they saw Davis's car fly up into the air and land on its top. The 2,000-pound car touched down about 25 feet from the manhole. Davis had been traveling north at the time. Now, the article goes on to talk about what possibly could have caused this. And there was a shop owner about 7.30 in the morning saw all the lights start flickering in his business. And then a few minutes after that, somebody came in and said they just drove over an open manhole cover. And then it happened again at 9 a.m. So manhole covers were popping up all over the place. What they believe happened is there was an electrical short in some of the power lines underground, and it exploded a, a bunch of methane gas. And because they kept putting all the manhole covers back in place, the gas and the pressure built up, and it ejected his car 25 feet in the air. For free. For free. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't even have to wait in line. At the end of the day, he says he's got a headache and a sore back, and he doesn't want to go anywhere near a car for a while. <laughs> so that's what I got for the news story, man. This would have been the ultimate viral video, but it's 1978, and there was no cell phones. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we went and ruined it all. Now everybody's yeah. recording everything. I know. That's it. See? Nothing special anymore. People would have looked at that and said, eh. You know, I got my my uncle did that. You know, that's only like twelve likes on Instagram. I now I know why you guys keep inviting me back. I love this show, man. Who talks about this shit? This is unbelievable. Who gets to talk about this shit? Okay, so it's up to me now, right? I got to yeah. judge. And let's start with Bill Gates. Um, Bill Gates has been rich for a very, very long time and will be rich till the day he dies. He'll be he'll go down in infamy and all because, you know, I don't know. I like him. You know what I mean? I think he's a pretty cool guy. I They give away a ton of money, man. They give away a ton of like 10 million a month or something crazy like that. Right. And I really feel like no matter how it shakes out, like, you know, um, I mean, he was smarter than the average bear. I mean, the story goes that Xerox could have owned the computer, you know, the the, uh, the copyright. Yeah. Right. And they did not want to pay for it. They didn't want to pay for it. And he said, it's OK. I'll build them anyway. You just give me distribution. And when it came time to take his thing and go someplace else, he just said, I owe you nothing. Right. Because I there's no paperwork. You don't own this. I do. So you got to give Bill points for that. That's great. Shrewd. You know, shrewd, smart, young. I mean, I remember seeing him on time, you know, cover of time when he was like 23 years old. He was amazing, you know. Then Pete Rose, two Pete Rose stories because he's in L.A. He has a daughter who wants to be a singer. So my friend calls me one day and he said, we're bringing Pete Rose's daughter over. She wants to record some stuff. I said, please don't. OK, I, I just I love pete rose you know but it's like you know i don't want to tell him that his daughter sucks and he might hit me with a baseball bat you know <laughs> this other friend mike mikey who is the funniest guy that i know who doesn't get paid for being funny right and mike says i'm at a garage sale i said well who's garage sale he goes it's pete rose <laughs> i picked up a book i said pete can i have this he goes yeah you got some money <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pete Rose, man. Talk about a guy. You know how that likable thing goes a long way. There are people that people like, right? 
Pete Rose was made is is next to the definition of we're going to make an example of this motherfucker in the dictionary. There's a picture of Pete Rose, right? There are more contentious, obsequious, dishonest motherfuckers in baseball, starting with Conseco, who was the biggest piece of shit probably who ever walked the face of the earth. And the only reason he ever came out and told the truth is because he got caught. Right. Okay. Yep. So poor Pete Rose, man. He had a little problem. He had a little problem. He liked to bet. At least right. he bet on other people. Yeah, or himself. Either one. <laughs> yeah. But I, I heard he tripped his second baseman going out on the field a couple times. I mean, at Maybe. the end of the day, Pete Rose didn't do anything differently than Michael Jordan did 10 years True. later. Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan was betting on what coin would hit the wall yeah. before games. Okay. He was flipping coins like on the street. Yep. So. All right. And 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 your story is what makes me love the show. <laughs> what the fuck is that story? I mean, manhole covers flying through space. You got to love it. It's a show, but not this show. OK, <laughs> so I, I love Pete Rose. I mean, maybe in another universe, this guy will come back. You know what Pete's problem is? It really is, man. Man, crushing. he is not likable. You True. know what I mean? He is just not a likable dude, man. It was like my friend said. He like asked him for like a paperback. He said, would you sign it? He goes, yeah, for money. You know, come on, Pete. <laughs> he you needs know? the money, man. He probably did. Yeah. You know, he did the card shows and stuff. I mean, he was, it's, that is, I think that's going to be a great movie one day. Look how many times he did those WWE events where Kane right. would pile drive him or whatever. Just you're right. Hey, he made it into that Hall of Fame. Yeah, he made, he it. made it into that <laughs> Hall of Fame. Right. But it's like there's there's a real there's a real like American a tragic American story right there. Yeah. Because the guy could fucking hit a baseball like nobody else ever could in his life, you know. So Pete Rose wins that round for me. You know what's Booyah. you know what's sad though too. I think there's probably because of the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. There's probably kids now that don't even know who the fuck Pete Rose is. Yeah, without a freaking doubt. Are you kidding? They're like I Pete mean, Rose. On, that's, who? That's, what did you say? It's been thirty thirty seven years, years. Since he got his. Since he got his last hit. There's well, that's thirty seven years since uh, he hit four thousand. He retired okay, in, so, after eighty five. So what? Thirty five years. But still, man. You know, Pete Rose was awesome, man. You know, he was an amazing player. And amazing. It, it also kind of sucks, too, that he hit number 4,000 when he was on the Montreal Expos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, but, but there are certain things that I don't think anybody's ever going to get near that one. You yeah, know? that's that's I a ridiculous. Yeah, that's mark. a ridiculous I mean, amount of thing, you know. And he did play for a long time. So, And people are always like, oh, he compilers, did. compilers. But he was doing it consistently. For a long ass but, time, but but they took even when he was managing. I mean, they they took they took what he loved away from him, and you know, I mean, all those guys used to do uppers and used to get stoned and get fucked up before games. And his whole generation were a bunch of drinkers. I mean, Mickey Mantle was probably drunk half the time he was out there. You know, baseball can't point its finger at anybody that sport. You know, because you know, I mean, they're definitely justice you know. for Pete. Let him in the fucking and, and you know what? It kind of hurt the game. I mean, I watch now because my kid likes the Dodgers because he's an L.A. kid. But I don't love baseball like I used to. I'll no. tell you right now, I don't. You know, But that's because I'm old, too. And that was the one thing I took away from the Jose Canseco thing last night where he was talking about, like, in the early days, people were playing 
because they played to win. They weren't playing for contracts and shit like that. Yep. Now that's that's all it is. All right, man, crush. You picked up a point and you tie the game. Heading into our first two point round. So where are we going? Movies or music next? Ah, uh, man, I know this is uh, kind of blasphemous because we have Robert Tepper on, but I'm going to go uh, music. Movies. <laughs> music. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up with movies. Like I said, he said music. He said music. <laughs> so we'll go with music here. We'll go uh, April 12th, 1984. I mean, we don't all have the luxury of having these picks fall on our birthdays, so we have to go with the closest date. Now, I went into this thing thinking I was probably going to get some shitty pick like I don't know, like Kevin Federline's album or some shit like that. But <laughs> however, I, I got pretty for- I got pretty fortunate <laughs> to find an album that was released by some Canadian rock gods. Uh, this is the band's 10th studio album. But like its previous album, it was pretty different than what we were used to getting from them in the 70s. Uh, this is, It's probably it's one of those albums where you either love it or hate it. There's no gray area in this at all. Uh, and my personal feeling when a band changes gears like this, it takes me a bit more time to get into it because they change stuff mm-hmm. up. But I never feel personally slighted about it. Like, it's just like, wh- whatever. But <laughs> when I was reading the reviews for this album, you would think that these guys were like lighting flaming bags of shit on people's porches because people were like, <laughs> this is fucking terrible. Like, what the fuck? Uh, but th- How dare you? Yeah, I don't get it. But the al- this album, it actually didn't do too badly. Uh, it went platinum. It climbed to number 10 on the Billboard 200. Uh, the album itself, it's it's pretty different than what we're used to. Their 70s sound, totally different. But I enjoy this album. And actually, I feel like I enjoy it more now than I did years ago. Uh, there's quite a bit of synth on this album, uh, but I don't think it kills it. It's not overkill. I really dig the slight like reggae guitar like vibe that they have on some of the tracks, which is really, it's kind of reminiscent of like uh, The Police and Duran Duran which is different for this band, but it's still good. And the band we're talking about here is Rush. So for them, it's... I knew it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it. far cry from anything that they had done prior to the Signals album. Yep. But Grace Under Pressure blows Signals oh, away. Good record. Man. In my opinion. Good record. Uh, and yeah. I dig the fact that they they kept with the synth vibe after all like the Signals backlash. It, they were growing as a band, and they didn't keel to like fan pressure or label pressure. They just said, Hey, we're fucking rush. Enjoy. Shut up. This is our album. Uh, but I mean, powerful stuff on this man, red sector a, which is probably my favorite song on the entire album. It's loosely based on Getty Lee's mom's imprisonment in a, like a Nazi concentration camp during the Holocaust, super dark lyrics. And I didn't even know that as a teenager, when I listened to this album, I had no idea about that. So, I mean, listening to it now and knowing what it's about, it's even darker than what I thought. I mean, the whole album is dark. The, the material, this whole thing is dark and it's very ominous. And this is a question for you, Robert, cause you're a little bit older than we are, but you know, you have like that, uh, the cold war threat kind of hanging over your head. And that's what you get from mm-hmm. this album in 1984. We're, I was only six, but were people really worried? Because if you listen to this whole album, it, it's it kind of hangs over your head like there's a cloud, like something can happen at any moment. You know, is that how it was? I got to be honest with you. At that time, you know, uh, there was more a feeling of like you know, there there was you know the Russian threat, which is still prevalent today. It's so funny 
to me, but it, it's like, yeah, I mean, that threat was still very real. You know, who was president in 84 Reagan. at that point? Reagan. Reagan. Okay, so we're 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 super Americana, you know what I mean? We're we're turning away from, you know, uh, we we're starting to, we're starting now to get into trouble in the Middle East with the whole thing with with Carter, which destroyed his presidency, right? And yeah, I mean, politically, we we were we were moving more towards, you know, and and you got to remember the cocaine connection with South America at that time. There was a lot of, you know, I mean that Reagan was mixed up in. You know, and um, um, Russia, Russia is a very uh, I'll comment later. All right. All right. Sounds good. I just figured I'd ask you because like at six years old, I didn't give a shit except for when they had the day after that, that TV show about America right. getting nuked. I think that made it it set it in perspective. Yeah. But but everything else is like Man, I got to tell you, our ge- the generation from. You know, from the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I was probably your age, six, you know, I don't know, probably maybe a little older. I mean, there has been a steady dose of end of the world anxiety as as for the last. And now, I mean, how many, you know, what is the doomsday clock on like one minute two at this point, right. you know? And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's great. It's great that we all do this and it's great that we're all feeling, but like, we're in the middle of a fucking shit storm right now that has been building that has been building. So, yeah. So this know? is the perfect album for that. I'll segue with that right there. Ab- if you're going to go back, go and get Rush's grace under pressure. Cause that's a good record. It man. definitely falls in line. And you know what, what else is crazy before we get on to the next pick? Neil Pert died last January. That mm-hmm. doesn't that feel like it was like five years ago with all the shit that went on. Yes. It's, it's, it it's something. I want to talk about that. I'm going to, as a, as, as head, as, as head uh, bottle washer here, I'm going to talk about that. Swing that gavel. All right, Mark, I'm done. All right, Mike Ranger, what did you bring for the music round? Well, Mark, uh, released on July 4th, 1995, American rock band, the Foo Fighters released their self-titled debut album Woo! on Capitol Records. The band was created by former Nirvana drummer David Grohl as a side project to help uh, recover from the death of Kurt Cobain. Uh, The album had four singles, uh, This Is The Call, I'll Stick Around, For All The Cows, and Big Me. The album reached platinum status in January of 96 and is the band's second best-selling album uh, to date behind The Color and The Shape. And that, boys and girls, is where I'm going to end it because, well, I've talked about it, carried on. So so one so wonder so the, the the best song he ever wrote wasn't on that ro- that record. Not really, but I like Big Me. Oh, Big Me is that, great. That that, <laughs> that video is amazing. No, he's 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 something else, man. He is just something else. All right, what you got? All right, for my music pick, this is an album that starts with the sound of its band members' car horns all synced together and then slowed down. That's the first thing you hear. <laughs> That was the first sound you heard from a band that would go on to become, well, one of the greatest American rock bands of all time. And this album, well, it set the gold standard for rock and roll going forward, selling over 10 million copies in the United States. Released February 10th, 1978, I give you the self-titled debut album from Van Fucking Halen. Woo! I knew it. It spent 169 weeks on the charts, reaching number 19 in the U.S., Uh, The songs on this album are just as legendary 
And uh, you know what? There's not a bad song on the entire album. We kick off the album with the iconic Running with the Devil. Running with the Devil. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then it only took one minute and 42 seconds for the late, great Eddie Van Halen to become the god of rock as he dazzles us all with eruption. And then they kind of go on to a well-placed cover song with You Really Got Me, and then my one of my favorite tracks, Ain't Talking About Love. I'm the one, Jamie's Crying, Atomic Punk. Jamie's Crying. Go ahead. Feel Your Heart Tonight, <laughs> Little Dreamer, Ice Cream Man, and On Fire. The very first album from Van Halen. I give you Van Halen 1, February 10th, 1978. And that led to the Black Sabbath tour. You guys are cruel. This is a cruel ram for you, Judge. This is just like not fair. Where do I start, man? I got I got to concise this into, you know, I have to say this in a concise way, but it's too late for that. Okay, I'll do it in the same order in which you gave it to me. First of all, right, Neil Pert. Did you see that documentary about this band? Be honest with you, man. The first time, you know. Um, I always I loved the way they played this band. I I always loved the drummer. I loved it. And I but I was like coming up, you know, I was more of like a Beatles Stones guy. You know what I mean? This they were more like a what what would you call that? Like mod rock, you know what I mean? Like it's like prog. Yeah. Prog. Thank you. So it was like prog rock. And then I saw this documentary and it was about two and a half hours. What a fucking story. What a band. Neil Peart dies and and Getty Lee goes, guess what? This band is over. Do you understand? There's no replacing this dude. What he used to do, he'd hand him a song. He would write every part to every song, the drum part. I mean, he wouldn't go in there and say, hey, I'm going to jam. I'm going to keep it down. Like, you know what I mean? Every part was, and he wrote the lyrics. Yep. Right? I mean, he wrote most of the lyrics for this thing. And that album was so cool because... Duran Duran and the police and and they fell in love with synthesizers just like everybody else did. You know what I mean? They they wanted to be part of that. And Getty Lee came from this Jewish family up in Canada, you know, who had suffered under the Holocaust, you know, and mom and dad, you just like you, you had such compassion for this band, this documentary. I mean, you know, I'm an emotional artist, but it, it touched me deeply. It's like, this was a fucking band from the word go, like, like down to its roots. Like, no, no, we're not Pete Townsend. Fucking Keith Moon dies and we got a new drummer next week. You know what I mean? It's like that doesn't happen in this band. Everybody is such a and you will not see. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say you should not see, but I don't think you're ever going to see a rush. Maybe you'll see like a, uh, you know, a, a best uh, of you know, or a, some shit. Yeah. Like, you know, somebody like praising the band. But Neil Peart was this intense dude, man. The guitar player, too. Every All of them were, like, so interconnected. And, you know, I was his voice took some gig. But now I, I listen to those songs, and I love them, man. And, and, uh, and especially with, what's the movie? Uh, Slapping the bass. Slap. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, man. I, I love you, man. Love you, man. Yeah. It's, like, the best <laughs> Rush movie ever, okay? But it's, like... That band, that there was something like that doesn't. Ex- I don't think that exists anymore. Okay, no. I really don't. Almost like again, we're showing. What's this called? It's 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 a nostalgia show, isn't it? Yeah, okay, because pretty I'm much, being yep. nostalgic. You know, 
I'm dueling with myself right now. And it's like <laughs> that band was fucking incredible. Okay. Just the way it played, the way it sang, the way it put its music together. That that didn't that will never exist again in any way, shape, or form. All right. I talked so long, I think my brain just fell out because I gotta go to the next one. So now you have the drummer from Nirvana, right? The drummer from Nirvana. Who else, right? Dave Grohl. It's like, you can name, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say it like this, but naming a sound of a drummer, right, is really hard, right? Dave Grohl has an actual sound. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh, you know, the guy on No Easy Way Out, what's his name? Uh, you know, Myron Grumbacher had a sound. You know what I mean? Myron sounded like Myron. A lot of drummers just sound like drummers. You know what I mean? But you know, Dave Grohl is amazing. He's been every band he touches. He he is quite possibly, as we're sitting here, the most famous musician in the world. And here's the caveat, which you're not even going to believe it. Guess who plays tennis with his wife? Jordan. <laughs> Robert Tepper. <laughs> oh, my God. His wife is the nicest person, right? The nicest person. And so we play every now and then. So I come in one day. And who's thinking about playing tennis but Dave, right? And Dave's there. He goes, oh, Tepper. He goes, Tepper, Tepper, don't you have that song? I saw your name in the post. They were listing the, the, the best Rocky songs. And you were like number three or four. I go, yeah, I was in the post. I said, there's nothing better for New Yorker than being in the New York Post. That's like the <laughs> highest honor. The only joke with Dave is Dave didn't swing the racket. Dave dove after the ball. He he played tennis like he's at a punk show, right? He, 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 he's like, so he didn't stick with it, but his wife did it. And I love Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is just amazing, right? And, okay. And the first fucking Van Halen record? I mean, Dave was like, so here I am, young Robert Tepper. I'm doing a radio show in Boston. And... It's David Lee Roth's solo, Whitney Houston, uh, the fabulous Keybirds, and a small name on the bill, Robert Tepper, with his first hit, No Easy Way Out, doing, doing a show from the Boston Garden, right? And Dave looks at me and goes, hey, man, you got a bump? And I said, <laughs> Dave, I wish I did. I wish I did, Dave. Love Dave. You know, Dave was just like the funniest motherfucker going, man. I don't know. Can you all get a point? Can we split the two points three ways? <laughs> uh, technically, I guess you could, because then we'd still all be tied. Going, you know to what? To be nice to me, because you use the music, you use the music one. We should give everybody a point. It's a tie going into the into the last two point round. I don't make the rules. I just judge it like I see. Like I see. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, we could do. We could totally do that because then it's two to two to two, and we got one round left. That was a great round, guys. You all did great on that. That was so fun. That was a good one. All right, it all comes down to the movies round. You know what, Mike Ranger? Why don't you go first? All right. Well, on July seventh, nineteen ninety-five, humankind's three million year reign at the top of the evolutionary ladder finally comes to an end. So be intrigued, be seduced, and be warned, because men can't resist her, and mankind may not survive in this sci-fi horror film. That's right, boys and girls, 
It's the 90s classic, Species. Is it a classic? <laughs> eh, it's not, not bad. Was that was that feces or species? <laughs> species. <laughs> no, feces, feces is definitely a classic. Is that a sequel? <laughs> was that number two? It's a spoof movie. Uh, but yeah, directed by Roger Donaldson. <laughs> written by Dennis Feldman. Starring Michael Madsen, Ben Kingsley, Forrest Whitaker, and Natasha Hendridge. The film follows a group of scientists who are trying to track down and kill a hot alien woman who's not nearly as friendly as Kim Basinger and My Stepmother's an Alien. Uh, the, the film received quite a bit of buzz due to Natasha's topless scenes and grossed over $110 million worldwide. Uh, yeah, so it spawned a theatrical sequel and two direct-to-video sequels. Species, our time is up. Funny thing about this, I saw this in the Warwick Drive-In. Uh, actually, I didn't see this. They have three screens. My parents took uh, me and my brothers there, and my brothers were there to see Operation Dumbo Drop. And while that oh, was going another on... another great one. Yeah, while that was going on, I was facing screen number three, and I saw the shower scene. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. The one where the elephant drops its straws, that one? Yes, that one. I think it was <laughs> no, no, followed was by, drops. like, fucking down Periscope or something like that. Oh, uh, did you ever see Dumbo drop? Man, that Dumbo drop. <laughs> anyway, prison it sounded funnier in my head. Go ahead. All right, so I'll go next. For my movies pick, we're going to go over to February 10th, 1978, for a film written and directed by Paul Schrader, the same writer-director who gave you gave us gritty movies such as Taxi Driver, and Raging Bull. And this time, he gets to work with the great actors Harvey Keitel, Yafet Koto, and of course, the serious actor, Mr. Richard Pryor, who in one of his first serious roles, got to do the movie Blue Collar. And that's when three auto workers try to steal from the local union as they discover corruption of the union, and instead of stealing money, they actually find a notebook, they blackmail the union, Hilarity ensues. Well, not really. It's actually pretty much a down story. Uh, you expect who direct who directed it? Paul Schrader. The same. He wrote it and directed it. He wrote it. It and is the directed. first movie okay. written and directed by Paul Schrader. It's the first time that right. he did that. And Gene Siskel in the uh, Chicago Tribune wrote: Once you accept the film's premise, blue collar rarely falters. Together, Pryor, Keitel, and Kodo plan a robbery to get the money they need, and they hit on the perfect crime. You know, the movie wasn't a huge hit. It earned about $6.5 off a $1.7 million budget. And, uh, you know, probably about $1 million of that was just coke and booze for Keitel and Pryor. So, <laughs> <laughs> But the interesting, one little interesting thing about this is Yafet Kodo, fantastic actor. Because Richard Pryor came in and was playing the quote-unquote black character, Yafet Kodo didn't want to play a black character, so he based his character off an Italian friend of his growing up. So he plays the character as an Italian man. Nice. That was nice. His, his motivation for that role. So, yeah, Blue Collar, released February 10th, 1978. I of remember that. Kind of do. All right, Man Crush, let's hear what you have for the movies round. All right, Friday, April 13th, 1978. My birthday actually lands on a Friday, so movies come out that day. And I've mentioned this countless times before, and I'm sure people are annoyed with me saying this, but we have a new audience pretty much every episode, so I wanted to paint the picture right here for those folks. So at age six, I was already watching horror movies. My parents had a collection of RCA discs, and one of the Man Crush 3 was Friday the 13th. And if you're unaware, 
<laughs> These were like my analog babysitters. It was Friday the 13th, Grease and Airplane on repeat, hence the Man Crush 3. Uh, would I let my daughter watch this at age six? Probably not. Uh, however, we're talking about a way better time to grow up. So it was not a big deal. I mean, I think I grew up pretty normal. Uh, you guys could be the judge of that, but uh, in, any, in any event, uh, this was my sixth birthday and I would have loved to see this on the silver screen, but I was probably ended up seeing it on cable. Uh, this horror franchise right here, iconic. And this is arguably the best movie in the entire series. As I mentioned, everyone knows this franchise as a whole. It made roughly half billion dollars. Uh, not adjusting for inflation. Well, this not just this movie. The the whole franchise made a billion dollars, so they had a lot of directors. So it, that in itself is remarkable for a horror franchise. God knows how much they made with merchandise over the years. Uh, but but this particular sequel, it was the fourth installment, and it brought in thirty three million dollars at the box office. That's roughly eighty four million dollars in twenty twenty one. It's very respectable on a one point eight million dollar budget. So they made their nut on that. Uh, but this movie has a bit of everything, anything you can ask for. You got new double mint twins. You have the best solo dance sequence of the 80s. Literally everyone getting thrown out of windows, including a dog who basically commits suicide. Uh, you have uh, Corey Feldman in the slowest head shaving scene ever. 1930s projector porn. Gary from The Last American Virgin still not getting laid. Aerobicized videos, hanky panky in the hospital next to a mass murderer's corpse, peeping toms, skinny dipping with strangers, Tom Savini returns, sex in the shower, sex with Crispin Glover, and most importantly, a boy on a mission to find a bypass patch cord in <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Not really. Well, I mean, there was 47 other ones after chapter. this. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? Tom Savini only took this back because he did the original. So when they said this was going to be the final, he came back because he wanted to close it up. And we see how that turned out. But lots of lots of good stuff in this one. I would say, arguably, this is the best of the franchise, in my opinion. Wow, oh, definitely. Yeah, it's my favorite by a long shot. Watched it last night. Great. You guys are killing me because, first of all, I'm not big on horror films, okay? Except for, like, The Shining. <laughs> this is the Double Men Twins nude. The Double I mean, Men Twins nude. All right. I mean, Schrader gets you some points because after he did that bomb, he went on to make some some great movies, right? Yeah. Oh, and, definitely. And 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 feces. I never saw that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what that's from. I mean, if we're going on just box office win, I should deduct a point from each one of you because all three movies kind of blow. <laughs> but but oh man, you're killing me. Do I have to pick a winner, huh? You guys went you from do so now. strong to wrong. You went from strong to wrong. <laughs> you painted yourself in a corner now, so now you have to pick. I did. I did, and now I got to pick. Man Crush, I'm going to give it to you, only because that franchise made – I heard of that one. That's yeah. the only one I heard of. <laughs> Such a good movie. Man, I was on a losing streak for a while, too. I think it's been like a good – over a month since oh my I god okay so so this so i'm i'm doing a good thing here i'm doing a good thing okay all right all starting right. a streak so you won you win i'll give you i'll give you the last two points but uh this was fun this is great man you guys are so fun that was great <laughs>
Come back anytime you want. Email anytime, me. Anytime, you know, from the new studio. Maybe I'll christen the new studio. Yes, that would be great. And then after that's over, we'll go hit up Adam Con. <laughs> yes, Adam Con. That is hilarious. We'll get some 40s and we'll go over there. So so how does it work, guys? Like, do you like all of a sudden it's like sleeping next to your wife? It's 2.30 in the morning and you go, holy shit. Somebody used the inside of a peanut to make socks. I got to go look that up like right now. I mean, is, 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 is it not so much anymore? I think we're we have it down to a science where when you get your date and you know what you're looking for. We we know to go digging for that right. week into that. Yeah, you guys are segment. like you're like the Sherlock. Holmes. It would be interesting. You should do like a show of like how you came up with the clues. You know what I mean? How you found them? You know, <laughs> it would be fun. Well, it's fun. it's pretty easy because we use newspapers.com. There's a plug for them because they they re-upped us. Uh, oh, they the do. other okay. day. Okay. But we use newspapers.com. We flip page by page till we get what we need. That's awesome. It's awesome. You guys do a great job. That was so fun, man. I had a good time. The music one got me, man. You guys really got me on that one. That was so great. That was so great. Yeah, Grohl is like, it's a freaky thing. He's such a regular kind of guy. You know, I mean, I met him a couple of times. I don't know him well, but he just seems like a really good person. You know, just like He's really super cool. cool, man. Like he so is. We saw them. Uh, shit. Now that was already like four or five years ago at City Field and they were amazing in concert. Oh, yeah he's a he's a boy his father was in show business i think he was a character actor and you know um he's definitely a good entertainer man he is absolutely a great entertainer his stories during the show were almost as almost as good yeah. as the music right right i went to see him i saw him one time he did like the head that rock the rock show acoustic he had rock on one side the acoustic on the other and i saw an acoustic night with him he was hilarious okay he was such a good storyteller just great God, I can't wait till concerts come back. <laughs> oh God, you and me both. You know, I was supposed to be in Europe, man. And now I look. Now I got like hair down on my shoulders because I won't go see a barber. And I'm like ready. I look so that they keep handing me money outside of Gelson's because they think I'm homeless. It's just not right. Just let it grow, man. Bring it back to you know the no easy way out video. Yeah, yes, you need the trench coat. No, it it used to be really good when I was like in my early 30s or late 20s but now it looks like i'm homeless you know, just like oh all right you guys thank you go so eat much your panko go chicken dude eat some panko chicken with my 10 year old and uh thank you so much for for doing it man so fun yes let's hook up time. again man it was all it right, was guys. a blast all right stay well guys take Thanks. it easy man stay well great thank you man all right, Duelers. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to end this episode right here. But don't worry. If you've missed an episode, you can always head back on our website, DuelingDecades.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. And while you're on those interwebs, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades, where you can join our private group and share some of your very own retro memories. So until next time, Duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Podcast New York. Podcast New York. Be heard. Be heard.